0: So we are starting this week just a little two-week series on thankful, and I know it seems incredibly appropriate, but that's how I am. Just tremendous discernment for the time of year. (laughs) I'm thinking about doing something Christmassy in December as well. (laughs) I'm not sure, but I'm leaning that direction. So... (laughs) So what we're we're trying to get into here is living this life of contentment. And boy, there is so much here. And I'm really excited about this sermon because as I'm preparing it and and sharing it, there's just so much truth here that I think will just settle us down and let God be God. But okay, let's just be honest. It's fun to complain, okay? Okay. I get it. It's fun to complain. It's fun to gripe. Nothing ever really gets accomplished. We just feel better. But it is fun to complain. It's a good conversation starter, right? And or maybe it makes you feel superior, or it's a good way to vent frustration because you're just not happy with a particular circumstance. But here's the thing. So people study this. People study Complaining. And so with a, it didn't take long to do a little research to find out that there are five different types of complainers. And this is kind of fun. Watch the, so so what's, what you're going to do is like when I give you these five different types of complainers, you're going to be going, oh, yeah, I know who that is. All right. That's a given. All right. We all have people like that in our life. But I want to, I want to find out which one you are. Okay. So you tell me what type of complainer you are. First of all, there's the whiner. Right. And the whiner says, it's not fair. It's not fair. Okay, so let me just address that. It's not fair. Life's not fair. God never promised life would be fair. When you get to heaven, life will be fair. But you're not in heaven. (laughs) Whining, whining does not change your circumstances. So there's the whiner. Then there's the martyr. This was my mother. No one appreciates me. No one appreciates everything I do. I hope you have 10 children just like you. <laughs> that was my mother. No one appreciates me. Yeah, you're right. They probably don't, okay? They probably don't appreciate it. Let's just get, it, get that out in the open. But, but is that why you do things? Just to be appreciated? Or do you really believe that God notices and that there is not enough that we could do for him, just a little perspective change there, so there's the the whiner, the martyr, and then there's the cynic, okay, so I kind of tend to fall in this you know i'm kind of one of those conspiracy theorists, like you know whatever that's just I kind of tend to be that like I lean that direction, so i'm a cynic, so nothing will ever change right it doesn't matter if you if you vote for the r or the D, right taxes are still going to go up next year i can promise you that it's just like it doesn't matter who's there you know stuff's going to happen it's just the way that it is well that's the cynic in me that's like you know nothing will ever change but here's what what they said about the cynic and i'm not sure that i agree (laughs) is the cynic has like a sense of superiority See, i told you see i don't you don't agree with that either and here's the truth. No one's really interested in your cynical opinion. That hurts a little bit. And you're not helping, right? Being cynical, you're not helping. So whiner, martyr, cynic, and then the perfectionist. The perfectionist, is, is that the best you can do? Like, you know what a perfectionist does? A perfectionist wears you out. It's like, I can never do good enough. An A should have been an A+. Plus. Right? You can just, it's one of those, parents are really bad about this. Like, it's like we can never quite be good enough. And if that's you, you're just going to continually be dissatisfied because nobody can measure up at any time ever to your standards. The perfectionist. This is my favorite one, the crusader. The crusader. Here's what they start off with. I'm not the only one who feels this way. So this person has some pet cause or something that they're trying to push through or, get, or, or they're trying to star, strong arm you to do. And so they try to convince you that there are more people than just them interested in making this change. So they say, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Of course, if you press them for specifics, they don't want to give any names. This is called the Gideon strategy. Right, so Gideon defeated this incredible army of hundreds of thousands of soldiers with only three hundred men because he made it seem like there were more than there was, so that 's kind of this this crusader mentality, and they use this Gideon strategy to try and get what they want so these are five different types of complainers right but but here's here 's the truth folks and let 's let me be as kind as I can, and I really want to try to be complainers just want to be heard that's the truth they just they don't know what to do with the dissatisfaction that they feel so here's the thing so you have this you have this dissatisfaction on the inside that is then expressed by complaining so what we can try to do is we can try to just stop complaining And that doesn't work. Or what we can do is we can try to address the dissatisfaction. And if we would address our own dissatisfaction, then maybe we would not complain as much. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Bible app, just hit a few buttons there. Philippians chapter 2. Paul is riding to the church of Philippi, and he is going to be addressing some potential Dissatisfaction. So here's it's it's the funnest book to read in the New Testament. It is there is so much joy in the book of Philippians, and Paul is writing to the church at Philippi from his jail cell. And there's a couple things he was trying to accomplish in the book of Philippians. The first thing was to let him know, like, here's how I'm doing. I know you know that I'm in jail, but I'm doing fine. But the second thing he was trying to address in this church was there was some division starting to kind of creep up a little bit and some, a little bit of disgruntledness beginning to affect that church in Philippi. And so he wanted to encourage them to adopt a spirit of humility and unity in their little church. And so he is attempting through his writing to address these issues. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, we're going to read verse 14 first. It says this, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now, I got a hard time. so, So all things, really, Paul? Like all things. I'm okay with some things. I'm really good at not murmuring about some things, but I have a tough time. With following this instruction because all things is tough all things without murmurings and disputings all things sets the bar really high but here's what Paul is addressing here we're gonna see in just a minute murmurings or the word grumblings is probably more of what we would use grumblings is the opposite of belief So let this sink in for just let me let me put it to you this way. When I complain, when I grumble, what I'm saying is God is not good and God is not sovereign. All right, let me put it this way complaining is in the sense it's taking God to task. I'm not happy with my situation. I'm not happy with this individual. And so I'm going to, I'm dissatisfied, so I'm going to complain. So complaining is basically saying that God's not doing a good enough job. Ray Pritchard said this, this will get you. This is a gut punch. Ray Pritchard said this, every time you complain about your circumstances, what you're really saying is, if I were God, I would do this differently. Woo, right? Did you feel that? That's what we're saying. If I were God, I would not have allowed this in my life. The complainer has forgotten the first rule of the spiritual life, and that is that he is God and you are not. Okay. He's God and I'm just Eric. And I got to let God be God. So then he continues here in verse 15 as if that wasn't bad enough, right? If that wasn't hard enough to follow do all things without murmuring or disputing. Then he says this in verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. Now, that's a great study. If you ever want to just kind of dig a little bit deeper into a passage of scripture, do that, okay, so, so if we don't murmur and we don't complain and we don't have disputings with each other, then we will appear to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. So our behavior is going to make us blameless and harmless and without rebuke. And here's why that's important. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. So the world that we live in is watching. The world that we are supposed to affect for the kingdom of God is watching how we as believers handle life. and difficulties, and circumstances. And if we would stop murmuring and disputing with each other, then we would appear blameless and harmless and without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Do you see what he's doing? He is, he is saying this goes beyond you being right with God. This goes beyond whether or not you and God are okay. This, this, takes, this takes complaining to a different level because now my complaining is how is affecting how people view Jesus. And that's pretty by, by the way, the, the difference between crooked and perverse here is, is worth noting. The word crooked is the Greek word scolios from scoliosis. And so what Paul is saying in the sense with that word is, is they're just born that way. They're crooked because of their sin nature. We are crooked because of our sin nature. Perverse is a decision. So I am crooked because I've made the decision to behave this way. So Paul is saying, regardless of if they were born that way or regardless if they've made the decision to act that way, we are to be blameless and harmless and without rebuke in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation. And then this is the kicker for me, folks. This is the whole thing. This is the whole message. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. So here's the thing, right? Right? My attitude about life, my attitude about my circumstances has a direct impact on how people view Jesus. And a complaining spirit is a bad testimony for Jesus Christ. There's two kinds of Christians. There's whiners and shiners. Boom. Boom. Right? whiners or shiners. So I don't know if you're a whiner or if you're a shiner. Oh, 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 and check it out, check it out. So here's what Paul did not say, right? Paul did not say, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, so you can straighten them all out. Because you can't straighten, but you can shine. And we expend a lot of energy trying to change the behavior of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We expend a lot of energy trying to straighten this world out. And Paul says, you can't straighten, but you can shine. Great illustration. Don't tell me that you heard it before. Ben Franklin wanted to, he petitioned the little city government to install street lamps on his main street of the town in Pennsylvania. And they refused to do it. So what he began to do was he actually took his street lamp and cleaned it all up, lit it, and hung it outside of his house on Main Street. And people saw, hey, that's a good idea. So then his neighbors began to Pretty soon everybody on Main Street had little lights outside of their house, and the city saw the need for it, and then they began to install street lamps in the town where he lived. He couldn't get them to do it, so he just went ahead and hung his own light out and started to shine. And I'm not saying Ben Franklin is a great spiritual role model. I'm just saying that's a great illustration because we are different to make a difference. So what I'd like to do is I want to just kind of go over just a couple things about how to cultivate Contentment. Because here's the thing, right? If dissatisfaction, if that knot in your stomach, if that dissatisfaction is what is causing you to express yourself through complaining, then if we can address the dissatisfaction, then we won't complain anymore. So let's try and change the dissatisfaction that we feel to contentment that we have. There are three kinds of people in this world. This isn't in your notes, but it's free. No extra charge. Three kinds of people in this world. There are accusers and excusers, and then there are choosers. And I'm asking you to choose contentment. Don't excuse your life because of your circumstances. And don't accuse somebody else of making your life bad. You choose contentment. So I'm asking you to choose contentment. So how do you do that? First of all, <laughs> praise God. And I don't mean that flippantly. I mean praise God, you know the effect that praise has on people? Do you know that it not only affects the person receiving it, but it also affects the person giving it? When I praise my children, it warms their heart, it warms my heart, and it it just knits us together. When you compliment somebody, it encourages relationship. Praising God is a beautiful way to remove the dissatisfaction that you have in your heart. The value of praising God is that it changes our focus from that which is causing the dissatisfaction to the person who is perfect. Paul was arrested, thrown into a jail cell. In the jail cell, the Bible says that at midnight, they began to pray and sing praises to God. And what was the result, right? There was an earthquake. The jailer comes in thinking that they were all going to be gone, was going to kill himself. They say, don't kill yourself. Here we are. And he said to them, what must I do to be saved? And he'd been listening to them all night long, right? Praising God and praying and having this influence. What if they had been grumbling the whole time they'd been in jail? Trying to do something for Jesus. And this is where we end up. I haven't had anything to eat for two days. It's a miserable situation. If they've been grumbling and complaining the whole time, I just wonder what the result would have been. Number one, I wonder if God would have been like, yeah, maybe you just need to stay there for a while, right? That's your timeout jail cell. I don't know. I'm not God, but it's like maybe he just would have kept them there for a little while because they hadn't learned their lesson. But praising God makes a difference because it changes our perspective. And let me tell you, when our perception changes, then it has a direct effect on our joy level. And that's what we're looking for. You can choose gratitude despite your circumstances, and you can choose contentment regardless of your situation. So praise God. Second of all, count your blessings. And I realize that this is like, like bottom shelf stuff. But I really believe that if you'd actually count how many things in your life you have to be thankful for, it would begin to change that sense of dissatisfaction you have inside. God has been so good to us. And let me tell you, what you dwell on will grow, right? We've talked about that before. What you focus on will grow. And if you focus on that individual, and if you focus on that situation or that circumstance, it just grows out of control. And if you focus on all the goodness that God has given you and all of the goodness that he has been to you, and you focus on all of the pieces of blessing that have been in your life and all the goodness that God has given you, then that grows and it begins to remove that sense of dissatisfaction because what we look at is what we see. But when we focus on the goodness of God, it changes it all. Can I just address something? God is not a slave to your whims. And God is not constrained by your timetable. So if God doesn't want to help you right now, he's God. And if God doesn't do it as fast as you think he should, he's God. Okay, I get it. He's God. I'm good. And here's, here's the thing. If you could grasp that, then you can relax. Because here's what I found about complainers. Complainers really think that by complaining, they're going to affect change. And if they can affect change, then they can get rid of this dissatisfaction that they feel. But it works just the opposite. Because let me tell you, you come to me and complain about stuff, that's not a great tactic. Okay? And so it's not really accomplishing what you want it to accomplish. And and the truth of the matter is, if it's dissatisfaction just expressing itself, then why don't we work from the inside out like we as believers are supposed to do? We're supposed to be conformed by the renewing of our mind, right? We're supposed to be changing from the inside out, not conforming to exterior, uh, external forces. So if I can change the dissatisfaction and realize that God's got it and he's got his own thing going on and he knows what I've got going on in my life and maybe he's trying to do something with me, then I can relax and let God be God. And in that relaxed condition, I can see how good he has been to me. And my dissatisfaction will dissipate. Praise God. Count your blessings. And then look for God's hand. Like he's doing something. I don't know how to say this, but it's like, if you if you try, okay. If if you try to affect change that only God can do, you're gonna mess it all up. But if you let God do what God's gonna do, He is much more capable, and He's much more wise, and can do things the way that He wants to have them done. But too many times, I think that we actually become a stumbling block to what God is doing. Second Corinthians. Chapter 4, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth here, and he says this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, look at that, works for us a more exceeding, much better, an eternal, longer-lasting weight of glory. We've often heard that, that phrase, let God work. Let God work. That could be, that could be its own devotion. Let. Give him time. Just let God, the master of the universe, right? Let God work. Just let God do what God, what God is going to do. Look for God's hand. And then finally, practice positivity. And this isn't feel-good speak here, but what I'm trying to say is that complaining is a habit, right? Complaining is your go-to Complaining is a habit. Can I just ask how effective that has been? I'm sure that it's made your boss do things completely different. I'm sure that your spouse has come to you on their knees and said, what can I do to make things better? I'm sure your kids have responded positively to your nagging. No, I don't think so, but complaining seems to be our go-to. It's like this. It's like it's our only tool in our toolbox. It's like I'm not satisfied with something. What can I do? I'm going to complain. And that's the only tool we have in our toolbox is to complain about something that we're not satisfied with. What I'm saying is that habits can be broken by replacing that behavior with something else. So what I'm encouraging you to do, rather than complain about something and just have negative speak, is that replace it with positive speak. Develop an attitude of gratitude. And again, Paul, to the church at Thessalonica, he said this in 1 Thessalonians, in everything give thanks. Everything, really. Yeah, everything. And why is that, Paul? Why should I give thanks for everything? Do you know my life? Do you know the crappy people that are in my life right now? Do you know the horrible circumstance that I'm in right now? Do you have any idea? Well, I think so. In everything, give thanks. How's that going to work, Paul? Well, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oh, boy. That goes back to the whole thing, he's God and I'm not, right? So God must think you need this? Or maybe you don't, maybe they do. We don't know what God's doing. But replace that negativity with a positive attitude. Let me just say this positive people stand out. You notice them, don't you? The bagger at the grocery store, the happy neighbor. The fellow employee that just seems like he's just always pleasant. Hey, be them. Be the positive person. Make a difference where you are. Positive people stand out, positive people make a difference. I don't know. I I don't know where you're at, but I know this. The way people see you has a direct impact on what they feel and how they view Jesus Christ. It has a direct impact on the kingdom of God. I beg you, I beg you to shine and not whine. So that was kind of this week's emphasis, right? Whiners or shiners, next week is going to be Jesus and joy. The effect that Jesus has on the joy that we can have. That's going to be in Philippians chapter 4. I'm looking forward to that too. But be positive. Stop complaining. Deal with your own dissatisfaction. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we don't know what you're doing. And that's okay. But I know that you want to do something in our own lives and work in our own lives and help us to allow that to happen. Help us to let you be God. And help us to rest in that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.